0: Here at A More Beautiful Life Collective, we know that the hectic hurry of everyday life can drown out our focus on what really matters. This podcast is a moment to intentionally pause and realign our focus. Together, we're working to find the rhythm of peace in him through the pace of beauty and order. I'm Casey Fletcher, and thanks so much for joining me. Hey everyone. And welcome back to a more beautiful life collective podcast. I'm so excited to jump into all the great stuff that we plan to talk about today, but before we do that, here are some quick announcements. First, we have a new newsletter. If you haven't checked out the blog yet, be sure to do so at morebeautifullifecollective.com. The link is in the show notes. You can subscribe, which will get you access to two great resources. First is our weekly newsletter. This has links to everything going on in the community each week, as well as links to my favorite recipes, books, and podcasts. Second is our subscriber library. Here you can find access to several Bible studies that I've written for my youth group and classes that I've taught over the years at church. They'd be great to use during your own Bible study or with a friend. I hope that they encourage and equip you in your study of God's word. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube so that you never miss an episode. If you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review. This helps others to find the podcast, and I'd be so grateful for your help in growing our community. Now, on to the episode. In our previous episodes, we spent some time discussing technology. Specifically, we considered how technology can function as an idol in our lives. We discussed several ways that technology is actually harming us. It affects our minds, our bodies, our souls. And in those episodes, we end with this idea that if we take something out of our lives... So if we take technology out of our lives, we have to put a new thing in its place, a better thing. Jesus actually talks about this. You can read about it in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. He describes a parable of a man who puts his house in order and then a demon comes in and takes over the house. So the guy thought that he was getting rid of this terrible problem, but he never put something back into his life to make his life better. And because it was just like this vacant space, a new thing, several more demons actually came in and took over that place. I think about this in, um, in any situation. So my husband is a builder. And so there's been times, whether it's me or other places where you are, you know, building these great places for people to come and live. Right? So we renovated a house and we um, ended up moving out of the house. We had bought it We uh, spent several years living in that house, and then we ended up moving out of the house, and we finished renovating it while we were living in a different house. Um, There's pros and cons to both of those. You can look on the blog. I posted about uh, my experience with doing that. My recommendation is never live in a house that you're renovating. It's just a hot mess. But uh, one of the things that I noticed is while we were there, we never had any trouble with anybody stealing anything um, or anything like that. But as soon as we left, Then, almost within a month, it's like people knew that we were gone and they came and they stole all all of my husband's tools. And so it makes me think of this story that Jesus tells, where a lot of times we think that if something's vacant, that just means it's at the status quo. But what I think we're going to find as we talk about these habits is that it's never, that's never the situation. It's never just us setting up something and thinking that this is going to be perfect for the rest of our lives. Instead, we are always in life moving towards decay. I read a book um, by Sarah May called um, Having a Martha Home the Merry Way. And in that book, she talks about Basically, because of the fall, our homes are always moving towards chaos. They are always moving towards sin. And so part of literally cleaning up is us Trying to write it back to this Eden state where we are going in and we're cleaning up everything. And so I think we can think about this with our homes. We could think about this with ourselves. But what we are doing with our lives, whenever we're talking about our habits, is we are putting things back into order. And so whenever we take away technology, technology is a huge, huge part of our life. And whenever we take it away, we have to put something in our life or it's going to be like that vacant home in the story that Jesus told or the story that I told where things come in and start to infiltrate and infest it or steal Um, things start to decay because there's nothing there if you've ever had a house that you have for sale and it sits on the market for a while you know that the more that it's empty the more that you know mice get in it you have other types of creepy crawlies that you don't want in there uh, mold can happen it's just because nobody's there to take care of it And so in our lives, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to get rid of all these awful things. You have to put something good back in your lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Whenever you um, take out something, you need to put a better thing in its place. You can't just take out negative thoughts and assume that things are going to be okay You have to put in good things. So technology can be one area of our life that's an idol, something that can take our focus off of what really matters. It can become the created thing that we're worshiping. And so after we get our heart in order and we put technology back in its proper place, what's the next step? What should we do next? What we find is that our habits are our liturgies. I talked about this earlier. Um, This is based off of Justin Whitmore Early's book, The Common Rule. And what he says um, in the book is that habits, the habits that play out day after day are not tangential to our worship, but are actually central to it. Worship is formation and formation is worship. As the psalmist put it, those who make and trust in idols will become like them. So we become our habits. If you want to learn more about the formation of habits and why they're important, you can listen to season one, episodes one and two. Um, Habits, they create who we are. And so it's up to us to train our habits in the way that they should go. And by extension, and this is something we'll talk about in future episodes, we're not only training our own habits, but we're also training the habits of our family and our friends and our community. We all work together to create this fabric of good habits, and that lifts the whole Whole community, the whole world up if we are doing that right. And so we're going to talk about that later, how you do this with your family. But what we're going to focus on today is how we do this for ourselves our personal habits. The common rule, that book, gets its name from the rule that monasteries established in medieval times. So if you've ever heard of um, the Benedictine rule, that's what I'm talking about, rules like that. I think every monastery has its own rule. We just think of the rule of St. Benedict um, most often whenever we think about this. But it comes from the Latin rule word regula, which is a word associated with a bar or trellis. I may have mentioned this before, but I think this is such a beautiful picture. Um, Early states this: the idea is that we, like plants, are always growing and changing. The rule of life is intended to pattern communal life in the direction of purpose and love instead of chaos and decay. So we're using these habits to train ourselves, just like you would train a uh, rose or uh, you know raspberry or blackberry vine up um, and as we use this rule, this trellis, we're basically, imagine a trellis, a wooden trellis, where you have the little uh, wooden um, spikes or the spindles that you use. And with a trellis, you have to nail them together. You have to create it. You have to design it so that you can train your life up it. The thing about vines and plants like that they don't just grow up the trellis if you've ever grown tomato plants you even know this you have to attach them to the trellis to train them up and eventually they start to grow up there and that is where where they stay But if you don't prune them, if you don't train them, then they can go towards chaos and decay. We have uh, muscadine plants down here in the South, and one of the things that you know if you have grapevines is that if you don't prune and train them, they can easily start to, um, one, they just go wild and crazy, and the leaves actually and the you know the branches if they have too many of them they suck the nutrients away from the actual fruit so they actually bear less fruit if you don't if you're not diligent about pruning them and training them and so you have to go in and you have to prune them every year and train them in the way that they should go our habits are the same way so today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on our keystone habit So this habit, if you remember it, if you turn off the podcast now after you get this and you go and you implement this in your life, your life will be changed. And this is your quiet time with God. Today we're going to discuss three things. Why having a a quiet time with God is important. Um, How you can include this time in your life. And what are some ways that you can, um, or different methods you can use in your quiet time. No matter where you are in your Christian walk, this is an area of life that can always grow and deepen, and my hope is that through this, you are encouraged to dive deeper in your walk with God. I think whenever we talk about these elements of our our quiet time with God, it can be something where we kind of check out, because we know this. You know, unless you're a new Christian, you know what you need to do, But I encourage you to listen to this podcast. One, you might get some ideas that you haven't heard before that will help you and strengthen you and encourage you. But also, you need to remember and have this reminder of why this time is so important Because sometimes we know that it's important, but we still don't make it a priority in our lives and we really need to ask ourselves why. And so that's what we're going to start with first is why is having a quiet time important? Why is it even necessary? Why do you need this quiet time with God? So pause for a moment and let's think back to this morning. And I want you to think about this specific morning because this gives you a good indication of what you do in the rest of your life. What was the first thing that you did when you woke up? How did it shape your view of the day, yourself, God? What feelings did it create? Were they positive or negative? Whatever your morning routine habit is, it is shaping you. It's the habit, your liturgy, that is forming your heart. So as you think back to this morning, you might feel like it should be like a cause for celebration. Maybe you got up, you woke up early, you knocked off everything off your to-do list, you did your devotions, you even mopped the floor before you went to work. If that's you, you can give yourself a pat on the back, you're doing great, that's awesome. But some of us may have feelings that range from anywhere from conflicted to downright despair. It could be that you woke up, but in the rush of getting out the door, your Bible is still covered in dust, tucked somewhere in the closet, or maybe you don't even know where it is because it's been so long since you opened it. Or maybe you did sit down to do your devotions, everything's ready, your candle's lit, you have your coffee made, and then your three-year-old wakes up and you either have to choose between being a mean mom and forcing him to stay in his room or not doing your devotions. We all come from different life circumstances. and We all have different, differing personalities and temperaments. So whenever we think about this, there's a need for flexibility as we establish our habits and our rule of life. But that being said, we also have to recognize the importance of spending this quiet time with God because it too easily becomes this thing that we know we should do. You know, it's the Bible, you know, Sunday school answer. Where if I say, how do you get closer with God? You say, oh, I need to have my quiet time. I need to do my Bible reading and I need to pray. You know that. And you've known that if you've been a Christian since you were little, you've known that since you were probably three or four. My son could probably tell you that it's important to do devotions, but that being said, if we know that it's important, we also need to know that we can't just do lip service to Bible study, to prayer. We actually have to do the thing. And part of this is we have to have a right relationship with God. And we also need to make sure that whenever we're doing this, we're not going through the motions, um, we need to make sure that whenever we're talking about anything to do with these spiritual disciplines, we're doing it because we want to get closer to God. I was just listening to a podcast today and it was talking about the, um, the story of Samuel and Saul. And at one point, whenever Saul was kind of going into his sin spiral, he got really worried about a battle that he was going to face. And so he called for Samuel and he said, "Hey, you need to come here so I can, you know, sacrifice and I can make sure that God is going to bless this battle." But Saul started getting antsy because Samuel hadn't gotten there yet, and so Saul decided, "You know what? I'm going to do this myself." And so he sacrificed. And you know what, as I was reading this story, I guess I hadn't connected that part of what Saul was doing is he was trying to go through the motions in order to get God to do something for him. And God, because of that, I mean, he basically said, Saul, so you're, you're done. I'm not, I'm not going to use you at all because of this action, because you've basically you've profaned my name. And it's like, I'm not this genie that you know, will give you whatever you want just because you do a couple steps. And we need to make sure with our quiet time as we go through what we're going to talk about today, we don't view quiet time like this, where if we wake up one morning and we're having a really bad day or there's a really bad situation, We wake up and we say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to do um, some scripture memory, I'm going to pray for a little bit, and then everything that I need is going to be solved. It doesn't work like that. And so part of what we're going to focus on is the daily persistence of showing up and spending time with God. But again, the whole purpose of this is to get to know Him better. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. What do our current habits say about the importance that we place on our relationship with God? So as we think about this, the question that we need to answer to get to uh, the importance that we place on our relationship with God is, when was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you prayed? What does this daily quiet time look like? Um... If we're constantly treating God like someone we can brush off because we'll get to him later, our relationship with him is going to be dry and brittle. We're going to be the deer panting for water. But instead of pausing to drink from the well, we that we have in Christ Jesus, we're dying of thirst. And it's all because we refuse to drink. The time that we drink from the well that is the water of life is when we come to God in our quiet time, when we come away from the world and we spend those moments with Him. So to start, we're going to look at some verses that help us understand what the Bible says about this habit. I'm going to go through these really quickly. If you want to look at them a little bit more closely, you can look at the show notes and um, there's going to be a list of these verses there. So you can look at that for a copy of these verses. The first three focus on the importance of Scripture, and then the second focus on the importance of prayer. Now, if you want to learn more about this, you can also look at Deuteronomy 6 and also Psalm 119 to learn more. All right, so again, the first three are going to focus on the importance of Scripture in our life, and then the last are going to focus on prayer. Joshua 1, eight, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will be make for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success 1 timothy 3:16-17 all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work hebrews 4:12 for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen: Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Ephesians six eighteen. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. I think as we look through these uh, six verses, I think it focuses on two primary points. One, that God's Word is alive, active, and working in us through the Spirit. And the second is that we can come to God about anything and he hears us through the spirit. Now I could have read countless other verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of scripture and the importance of prayer. But the point is this, we know that we need to have these spiritual disciplines in our lives, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many verses that I tell you that say you need to pray to God. You need to read your Bible. You need to have this quiet time. It's up to us to start to put these things into practice so this is why we use the term spiritual disciplines these disciplines they're a daily choice a daily habit that we may not want to do we train ourselves to do that thing and eventually it becomes second nature these spiritual disciplines are discipling us to become more like christ it is through the spiritual disciplines that we're being sanctified as the spirit works in us there's really no way around it we must practice the spiritual disciplines of reading god's word and praying if we are true Christians, the spiritual disciplines can only occur if we have this quiet time with him. Now there is, and we're, and we're going to talk about this later. So obviously we read our Bible in community with people. If you show up to church, you're going to read your Bible. Hopefully if you're going to the right church and that's going to be done with people. You are also, um, going to pray with people and it's better to pray with other people to have that accountability there to have prayer requests and praises and then to do the communal prayers but i i saw this meme on facebook and it was a pastor that shared it and it was an iceberg you know the iceberg meme where you see the tip of the iceberg and then below you see you know how big it is i don't know if there's like a name for that but in the meme he says you know what your pastor can teach you about god and then underneath the surface, it's what you can learn on your own about God in your own Bible study. And I think that's so true. So yes, we're doing these things communally, but I think at the end of the day, if you're not doing these things on your own, you're living a shallow faith. If you're not doing these things on your own, you're not actually, you're you're not going to become a mature Christian at the end of the day. And I, I think there's no way around that. I think that is what... I think that is truth. And yes, there's times where it can be easier or it can be more difficult. But I mean, that's that's the hard truth of what we have to do as believers. And I don't think that's legalistic. I think if you, if you want to frame that saying that you have to read your Bible and pray is legalistic, then I think that maybe uh, you need to check yourself. I do think that there's, as we'll talk about today, Obviously, quiet time expands and it covers so much more than, you know, the picture of somebody having actual quiet time with a coffee and a Bible. It's so much more than that. But you need to be pursuing God on your own. And I think, you know, if you look at the medieval church, if you look at times in the past, yeah, even whenever people couldn't read, they were pursuing God. That's why they had daily mass in the Catholic church in the medieval Era and they still have it today, where you could go sometimes multiple times a day to, you know, a church or an abbey or whatever, and you could hear the scriptures being read. So I think that was something that, you know, that existed through since the beginning of the early church. The Bereans were meeting daily to discuss what was in uh the scriptures and what they needed to learn. So I think that this is just, you have to be doing this. And if you find yourself not doing it, I think you need to check your spiritual health. So knowing this though, and I mean, that's a pretty a pretty big thing, knowing this, it can be difficult to make it actually happen. Sometimes we don't know where to start in our quiet time. We don't know the next step to take. And so we feel like we're living, um, like we need to make a change, but we never actually do something about it. So this is one place to start. I uh, recently read a book called Hello Mornings. It's by Kat Lee, and you can look, there's a link in the show notes where you can go to her blog. She has like a free um, video that you can watch about her book, and then you can get her book. It's in the library, um, and you can read it if you want to, and it's really good. Um, But what she does is she has a three-part morning routine, and in this three-part morning routine, she works in three things. So it's got time, plan time, and move time. This is what is her quiet time routine. It includes those three, th- three things. God time, plan time, move time. And so I think the reason why this is so life-giving, and I mean, it's those are pretty basic things, but it's something that can give life to your own Bible study, is that these three elements, they can be expanded to fill you know, an hour and a half, two and a half hours, whatever you want, but then they also can be shrunk down. And on those days where it's really difficult to get your quiet time in, you can do this. She, she advocates for a three-minute uh, quiet time routine. So if the rest of the day comes at you real fast and you feel like you're drowning, you've already done your quiet time. And so you've daily and consistently shown up. For her God time, she recommends reading at least a verse in your Bible every day. And so what she's done is she's memorized the verse and it's almost like she prays through this verse. So she's praying and reciting a verse that kind of just orients her heart to God. The verse that she reads is Psalm 143, 8. And the verse reads, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you, I entrust my life. Then after that, she takes another minute to plan out her day using her calendar. And then she wraps up her morning routine by just like drinking a glass of water. So what she's done is she's set up, you know, God time in the morning where she orients her heart with God. Then she looks at the day and then she uh, drinks a glass of water to take care of her body, to have the energy she needs to face the rest of the day. So I think the good thing about this is that because her morning routine is so small, she's creating those tiny habits that we talked about in um, episodes one and two, where the routine is not difficult. And because of that, she always does her morning routine. There isn't a need for skipping days. So it's not like she needs an hour to do this morning routine where she sits down with her quiet time. And then if everything's not perfect, she just skips it. Um, Instead, she always starts off praying This verse. And I mean, that verse that I just read to you, that's a powerful verse. And let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. Imagine if you lived every day actually believing those words. For to you I entrust my life. Show me the way I should go. If that was something that you prayed over yourself. What if your kids were praying that over them, or if you were praying that over your kids or your spouse? This is something that, again, it's one minute, but it just sets your mind where you're saying, you know what, today, everything that I do, as I look over my calendar, as I get ready for the day, every step of my day, I am entrusting to you so that you can show me the way you should go. So you you could alternate verses. You could use that verse. Um... But that is just one way to kind of work in this prayer and this um, time and the word and time with God, very easily. And then it could go into other things. So obviously, she says, you know, if she has more time, sometimes she'll uh, she writes out scripture. And so she basically is writing out an entire Bible. And um, whenever she fills up one notebook, she gets another one. But she's writing it out to maybe like pass on to her kids or something. So she's writing out the Bible to kind of slow her mind down and focus on what the word says. So the first step in redefining your quiet time is just focusing it on this. It's not a Bible reading plan. Instead, it's something where you are reorienting your heart um, to look at where you want to live for God, how you're going to glorify God in your life. You need to create a routine or a quiet time that you can consistently do day in and day out. Cat Lee says that the heart behind the God plan move morning routine is to create an on-ramp for our God time to infiltrate the rest of our day. It starts with time in the word and prayer, moving into prayerfully planning our day, and then ensuring that we have the energy for that day, for whatever God may ask of us. By doing this morning routine, you're basically, like I said, you're recalibrating your brain to daily hear what God is directing you to do, and you're creating space for him in your life, in your schedule, and all your time with him. Justin Whitmill Early, he describes two different morning routines that are part of his quiet time. So this is another idea. Justin Whitmill Early, he's the guy that wrote The Common Rule. And um, what he does every morning is as soon as he gets out of bed, instead of picking up his phone or doing anything else, his knees hit the floor and he prays. And sometimes it's like a you know, he talks about, he has young boys. And so sometimes he'll say like, thank you, Lord, that they slept through the night. Or if those boys are already awake and they're screaming, he says, Lord, please help me. And so it's something that again, he does it and it's quick. It's not an hour long, um, prayer, but it's something that immediately he's saying, I am living for you today, God. So show me where you want me to go. He also works in these prayers, before the midday meal and right before bed. So he, and he, every time he also, he like kneels whenever he prays, just because he thinks that in doing that, it adds that physicality where he's not distracted because he's purposefully saying, I'm going to kneel and focus on God. So this isn't something that he's kind of doing while he's, you know, in the shower or, uh, you know, driving the car, though I think you can do that. And I've done that as well, because I think you have to pray, you're supposed to pray all day. But it's something that he wants those moments to be focused on God. So he works those those prayers into his daily rhythms, just like the monks' daily prayers in monasteries. And, you know, they would get up in the middle of the night and they would pray. The monks did. So I think we can work in a couple extra prayers through the day more than, you know, just praying right before we eat Um, in addition to this, he also intentionally does not look at his phone until he has read scripture. And we've talked about this with our technology episode in the last two episodes. Um, but this way he said, okay, my quiet time is something that it's, it's not necessarily something that is, you know, a Bible reading plan where if I check off my Bible reading for that day, I'm good. Instead, it's become a daily habit that encompasses his whole life. And again, it's not a prepackaged product. It's authentic, and it's routine, and it's easily incorporated into the hecticness of our daily life. In Scripture, we see Jesus often retreat into the quiet to spend time communing with God. It's obvious that both the Scriptures, which is His daily bread, and prayer were essential to Jesus and His relationship with God. His life is the model for us It displays the life of a perfect man. And one small step we can take every day to follow after the model that he was for us is to pull away from the hecticness of the world and pursue God in the quiet. Sally Clarkson, who is an author and a speaker, I've mentioned her before. She has a great podcast for moms. If you're looking for an extra podcast, her podcast is called At Home with Sally. Um, So you could share that. It's mainly for women. Guys can listen to it too. Um, and she uh, was describing in one of her posts, her quiet times and those hectic years of young children as a balm for her weary soul. She describes that, and I'm reading what she said here. She said, she found that the more time she spent in his word praying, seeking to trust him with all of her problems and issues and fears, and sought his values, they almost always, those quiet times, led her away from culture even from the Christian culture she was surrounded by. When we go into God's presence, we receive this clear vision of what God desires for us, his, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we carve out this time, these quiet moments to spend with God, we're strengthening our relationship with him. And we're also, something that I think is so important, especially as you, as you get older and you start to think about the type of life that you want to live, These quiet moments are strengthening your legacy of faith that you're going to pass on to your family, to your friends, and to your greater community. We need the quiet to be strong in the chaos of life. We need to pull away from the world to hear the still small voice of God. And we do this when we have quiet time with God. Our individual daily quiet times will not be revolutionary in the moment. There was a book that I was listening um, to, or a podcast I was listening to, and one of the things that they said was that the moments that you spend with a friend are often fleeting and you don't remember them, but it's the cumulative effect of those moments over a lifetime that's build those relationships that will never be broken. And that's what these quiet times are. It's the layering effect of years and years and years of pulling away into the quiet to be strengthened and encouraged. That is where real faith is made. There was a quote that was in Hello Mornings um, from the author, Anthony Trollope, and he says, A small daily task, if it really be daily, will beat the labors of a spasmodic Hercules. A spasmodic Hercules, I had to look that up because I didn't know what it was. It's someone who thinks that one action will beat the 1,000 actions that come before it. They work in a regular and consistent burst. How often do we believe this? We think that we can overcome years of spiritual inactivity by one church service or one moment of opening our Bible or one prayer, but truly, truly, truly nothing can beat the daily coming to God with what we have that day, just devoting those few quiet moments that we have in the morning to coming to Him in our quiet. Nothing can beat that daily quiet time with God. So I hope that you feel encouraged today to either continue in that daily quiet time that you've already been doing, or if you don't have a practice, I hope you feel encouraged to start today with that habit of coming with Him and just coming alongside the work that is being done through the spirit in you. Thanks so much for listening. You can come join the conversation at A More Beautiful Life Collective on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. I would love to hear your thoughts on quiet time and The Christian Walk. So you can talk with me in person if you know me, or you can send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook. I'd love to hear about what you struggle with and what do you feel is your best resource. We're going to be talking a little bit more about quiet times and morning routines in the weeks to come. So you can message me there or leave a comment, and I hope that you'll join me next week. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me at the More Beautiful Life Collective podcast. I'm Casey Fletcher, and I hope I'll see you next week.